So today we're going to cover the third Sicha for the Parsha of Ayeshev, published in the Lakuti Sichos, in the talks that are edited and published by the Rebbe. Um, and then today's Parsha of Ayeshev, the third Sicha. We're going to cover a important piece of the story of Joseph, of the hatred that was built up that his brothers hated him, their plot to kill him, then it was changed to sell him. And you all know the end story where he gets into the position of being the prime minister, the one in charge of Mishnah Lamelech, and he ends up being able to save his family later down the line. So we're in the beginning of that part of the story. We're also going to go through several fascinating stories that are connected from various different places throughout the Tanakh that are relevant to today's subject. And we'll do our best to bring down the different stories and backgrounds so we can really appreciate this sicha. So this sicha begins on the verse that, that Joseph comes to, is, is with his father, with Jacob, and Jacob tells him, Vayoymer loy, and Jacob tells, says to him, meaning the verse calls him Yisrael, that Yisrael, because Jacob's name was changed in last week's parasha to Yisrael, even though the Torah keeps on going back, calling him Jacob and Yisrael for reasons outside of this class. But the verse here says, Yisrael, Yisrael, meaning Jacob, said to Joseph, he said, I want you to go, Leich na I want you to go, please, and see how the peace of your brothers. I want you to see how they are doing. And he sends him to the place, to this place of Shechem. That's where his brothers went to, to pastor the flock of Jacob. They went to take care of it. Where were they taking care of this? In the little city of Shechem. And he sends Yosef to go see how the brothers are doing. And the verse concludes, Vayavo Shechema. And he comes, he arrives at the city of Shechem. Now, Rashi, our favorite commentary, Rashi comes and says that this place, Shechem, you should know that when the verse says that Joseph arrived to Shechem, you should know that Shechem is a makaim muchan lapuranias. It's a place that's doomed for adversary and it's a target place, a place for tragedy and difficulties. So Rashi is again, there's two parts to this Rashi, but the first part of the Rashi is where he says that the words that tell us that Joseph came, he arrived in the city of Shechem, is you should know that this is a place that's ready for trouble. What are the things that are identified that it's a place of trouble? For that, we're going to see soon. But before we get to what the troubles actually are in the city of Shechem, we have a simple question. We all understand that Rashi always comes to explain words in the Torah that are difficult. If you don't understand something when you read a word in the Torah or a verse or a few words, whatever it is, and it's not clear, so you need Rashi to come and help you to understand it. That's why Rashi comes to do always. He comes to help you understand the text, the literal narratives of the story. So now, 
in this case, we have to understand what was difficult to understand about those words. The words said, Vayavo Shechema, that he came to the place of Shechem. What's so difficult, challenging about those words? The Rashi has to come and tell me, you should know, you know what kind of place Shechem is? It's doomed for adversary and troubles. What's, what, what, what was difficult that I need all of a sudden to have Rashi give me this commentary? So the Rebbe brings down that there are commentaries that explain what is difficult about this word and then we can understand why Rashi, what Rashi is coming to fill in. He brings, there's a, there's a commentary called the Re'im, a commentary called the Gurariya, Devek Tov, and others, they tells you to look in Malut Mincha Balula, a number of commentaries that deal with Rashi's insight. And these great sages say that what was difficult was that we already, the, the Torah had already told us that Jacob said to Joseph that your brothers are taking care, they're pastoring the flock, the sheep and so on, in the city of Shechem. So we already know where they are. And when Jacob tells his son, go there to Shechem, we know where he's going. Why does the verse have to add the words, and he came to Shechem? It's obvious. We know that they're there. So he's telling him, please go to the place where they are. They're in Shechem. So now I know where they are. You have to tell me these extra words that he came to Shechem. If anything, it could have just said that he came there. Yaakov said, go there to Shechem. So it could say he, he went and he came there. You have to tell me again the name of the city. So the fact that it says, and he came to Shechem, he came to the place of Shechem, it must be that there's something more to it. The fact that the verse is reiterating the place. So that's why Rashi comes and says, it's the famous Shechem. It's not just the city. It's the place. There's something to emphasize. It's the place that tragedies occur. Well, that's the way the commentaries on Rashi explain why Rashi had to explain to us why Rashi gave any comment about the arrival of Yosef to Shechem. But the Rebbe has two questions on these commentaries. Number one, we've already said the name of, of the city, and it's true, but that when you think about it, we have many places in the Torah where when the Torah tells us a, a, an event or a story or something that's going on, it says the name of the place many times. So he says, if you look throughout the Torah, it's not such a strong question why it says that they went to Shechem. Then Yaakov told Yosef, your brothers went to Shechem. I want you to go see how they're doing. And Yosef arrived in Shechem. We have other places in the Torah that also says a number of times the name of a place. For example, in our Parsha alone, later on in today's Parsha, it tells us the story with the wife of Potiphar, who was one of the head people in charge of Pharaoh's palace. And the wife tried to seduce Joseph, Yosef to sin. And he, was, he didn't want to sin. So they, she turned around the story to her husband saying that Yosef wanted to sin 
with her, and they end up throwing Joseph into the dungeon. And we see in that piece of the story, it says that they took him and they put him in to the dungeon, the jail, the prison cell. It says he was there another time, another, it says he was there in the house of prison. And then it says it's the place where prisoners were put in this dungeon. Three times in that piece of the story, it says about the same word, the dungeon. The point is that you see here as a source that it's not such a wonder in Torah dialogue when the Torah says something that it says over the place a couple times. So those commentaries that try to tell us why does Rashi have to tell you anything about the name of Shechem, they said, it's because why do I have to have the name Shechem again? We already know it was Shechem. Well, it's normal language for the Torah to talk like that. We just brought the proof of the prison cell, which is mentioned several times. So that's his question number one on those commentaries, that he says it doesn't suffice enough of an answer of why Rashi would have to tell us anything about Shechem. Number two, he asks another question is, if it was difficult to Rashi, why the Torah text has to tell you that why does it say that he arrived and it tells you the name of the place again, Shechem, even though I thought I knew it, we did know it. He says, we have the name of Shechem here three times. It says the brothers went to, to pastor the, 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 the flocks in Shechem, number one. It says, Jacob told Yosef to go see how they're doing in Shechem. One second. The second time it already said Shechem, Rashi should have already commented. He should have said, whoops, why do we have to tell me Shechem? I already know where they went. But Rashi waits till the third time it says Shechem to give a comment about the city of Shechem. That doesn't make sense. He should have said it on the first time. On the second time, sorry. The first time you have to know where it is. But the second time, at the bare minimum, Rashi should have told us that you should know when it mentions the city of Shechem, it's not just any city. This is a city that's doomed for adversary, for problems. And now he asks a third question on the Medrash, which tried to explain to us why Rashi had to explain to us something special about the city. Because he says, if you, one of the rules in learning Rashi is, is that you know, this is a rule the Rebbe mentions many times, he says there's always a heading to a Rashi. Rashi takes a word or several words from the actual text of the Chumash, and then he gives his commentary. So Rashi here takes two words from the Torah. He says, and he arrived, Vayavo Shechema. If you only want to tell me about the city, that this is a city that's doomed for troubles, you should have just told me in your heading the word Shechema and explain about the city. But Rashi didn't do that. Rashi said, took two words from the verse. He said, and he came to Shechem. Why did Rashi have to quote that word, and he came. He should have just quoted the word Shechem and interpreted Shechem as a city full of troubles. The fact that Rashi said, and he came to Shechem, and now he takes those words, there must be something that's significant about the word, and he came. So there's something about that. Vayavo, and he came, and he arrived. There must be something that's to be taught from that word itself too. So those are the three questions that he has on the Medrash. 
So now the Rebbe says, let's try another medrash, another group of commentary, not medrash, commentaries. He says, let's try another group of commentaries that try to explain the Vayavo Shechema part here. Why it says, and he came to Shechem. The commentaries say, Rashi wants to explain in general, what in the world is the difference to know where this whole story happened? Who cares? How is that relevant to help us for anything? That's what Rashi is trying to emphasize. Or as we say in, in Talmudic terminology, you say, To what difference is it to anybody to know where it happened? Just say that they went and they shepherded the flock somewhere. Say that the J- Jacob said, they, go find your brothers where they are, see how they're doing. And then say that Joseph went to look for them and found them or didn't find them, whatever you want to say in the story. Who cares the name of the place at all into this narrative? So to answer this, they say, these commentaries say, that Rashi is telling you that the name of the place is important because then you should know that this place is a place of trouble. Shechem is a dangerous place. Seemingly. And that's what Rashi's trying to tell us. Because otherwise, I don't know why Rashi is coming to give you any commentary. What's so difficult about the words? So they, that's why these commentaries are saying that who cares what city it is? Rashi's telling you, you should know that this is a city that, watch out, there's serious troubles coming anytime you get into this city. It's a place that's doomed for adversary, for problems. So the Rebbe says, on this, I have two questions. If you're going to say that the whole reason why Rashi had to tell you that any comment about Shechem, that it's a place that's ready for problems, is only because why do I have to know the name of the city at all? He says, number one, the, the verse tells us, the story is that the brothers of Yosef were in Shechem. That's why Yaakov sent them to Shechem. He says, what do you mean? That's the way you say a story. <laughs> when you say a story, you put in the names of the places. You ever heard somebody tell you the history of their family or the history of the Holocaust or something like that? And they, you, you know, you name the places. As a matter of fact, he brings in the footnote. He says, you could look in Parsha Chayasara. We also have there the names of the places. For example, there it says, when Abraham instructed, I'm going to read to you from the footnotes of the sources, it says there that when Abraham sent his son, sorry, his, his servant Eliezer to go find a Shidduch for Yitzchak, so he told him to go to the city of Nachar, his brother, Nachar, which is the city of Aram Naharayim. And it says that Eliezer went to the city of Aram Naharayim, the city of Nachar. So you see, that's a normal way to say a story. Avram says, go to this and this place. He gives an address, a city where this and this person lives there. And then it, the verse tells you, and he went to, to that, and you tell, he say the name again of the city. We have this also elsewhere in the Torah, where we had Yitzchak and Yaakov. When Yitzchak, after he gave the blessings to Yaakov, and he says, I want you to leave here to go find a shidduch, he says, go to mom's brother, Rivka's brother, Lavan. Where did Lavan live? In Padena Aram. He says, go there to Lavan's place in Padena Aram to find a Shidduch. And then it, the verse says, 
and Jacob went to Padana Aram. So you see that this is normal way of saying a story is by saying names of places. So for these commentaries to come and say that that's why Rashi had to tell me something in, unique about the city, something information is missing here. We do want to know the names of the city because that's the way you say a story. You don't have to have some kind of superstitious thing going on about a city to tell me about a city. That's the way you say a story. I just We just brought a few proofs. And number two, and even more, this city of Shechem is actually was important to the story itself here. Because what happened here in the story? Jacob tells Yosef, go see how your brothers are doing in Shechem. Yosef says, Hineni, I'm here, no problem, dad, I'm going. Yosef arrives in Shechem. What happened after that? He sees him, he gets lost. We say in Yiddish, Farblunjit. He got lost in a field. He didn't know where he was. And he sees a man. Who was the man that he met? By the way, Rashi says it was Angel Gabriel. And that Ish, the man that he meets, which is disguised as an angel. As an angel disguised as a man. So the angel tells him, What's the matter? Who are you looking for? And Yosef says, I'm looking for my brothers. And he says, your brothers, they were here, but they left. They traveled to a place called Dasaina. They went to Dosan. So I do need to know about this place because it is part of the story. Yosef gets lost. He meets this guy, the angel. He tells him where his brothers went. Later, we're going to learn a little bit more of why they went to Dosan. But we're going to find out. But... But in the meantime, the angel is giving him part of the story is that he got lost and he met this, right? The whole thing. So I do want to know. It's part of the narrative. So what are these commentaries really telling me that why do I have to know the name of the city? And that's why Rashi comes to tell you the name that it's a place doomed for problems. That's the way you say a story, especially in our story. It's very relevant. So those are the questions on the first part of Rashi. So again, let's recap. Rashi said that when it says Yosef arrived in Shechem to check up his brother, it says he arrived in Shechem. Rashi says, Shechem, who? That's the place, Muchan Laparanus. It's a place that's doomed for adversary, for problems there. We asked the question, what is difficult with the verse that Rashi had to say anything? So we brought down some commentaries that said that what's difficult with the verse is, is why does it have to tell me that he came to Shechem? Right? Why do you have to tell me that he, they arrived in Shechem? So the extra time telling me it arrived in Shechem, it didn't just say you arrived there. That's why Rashi came to tell you his thing. What the Rebbe said, there's three questions on that. Number one, he said, many times in the Torah we have repeating names of places. So big deal that it said it here in name of again. Number two, if Rashi does want to give him a commentary about Shechem, he should have said it on the second time Shechem was mentioned, not wait for the third time. And number three, why does he have in his heading the word, and he came to Shechem? You should have just said Shechema, and let me tell you about the city of Shechem. What did it have to do with the point that, and he came? Why did Rashi adopt that word from the verse also before, to say it before he says his commentary? So we brought that, so those are three questions. Then he brought down another commentary that said that Vayave Shechema was to tell you who cares at all what's the name of the city, and that's why Rashi tells you. So he says, one second. He said, to tell you the name of the city, he says, 
the Torah has many stories, as we brought down a few examples, where the Torah does say a person went to here, and then it says that the that person should go there, and he really ended up going there, and it tells you again the name of the place. And number two, that it's part of the story here. There was an incident, part of the story, that actually happened there. He got lost and he met the angel, so there was an event that happened here, part of the story. So we're back to our question. What was difficult about these words that Joseph arrived to Shechem that Rashi had to say anything, period? We're going to answer that question a little later on. But first, let's hear what is difficult about Shechem. Rashi only started off saying that it's a makamuchan laparanis, it's a place, get ready, it's a place doomed for adversary and problems. Now, what were the problems? Says Rashi, there's three bad things that happened in the city of Shechem. That's why I know Rashi's saying why it's a place that's doomed for problems. Three major events happened in Shechem. And Rashi tells us, one is this story that we have today. The tribes, the brothers of Yosef were plotting their problems against Joseph. In this city. They acted sinfully. Is the first thing that happened. They acted sinfully. Or as the wording of Rashi is. Sham kilkalu hashvatim. They were makalal. They made problems. They did things that weren't right. That's number one that happened in this city. Another thing that happened in the city. Is that. The sister of the tribes. Dina. She was abducted. Where was it? In the city of Shechem. As a matter of fact, she was abducted by the man himself who was called Shechem. But that was the name of the city. This guy also had his name Shechem. So that's another terrible thing that happened in Shechem. And then Rashi says another thing. He says, in this city of Shechem is the place that the kingdom of King David fell apart and broke into two groups. Remember, the Jews were under the monarchy of King David and it all fell apart in the city of Shechem. As the verse states, Rehavam, King Solomon's son, went to Shechem. And that's where it all starts. So let me just fill you in with this story so you understand what Rashi is referring to here. This is a story brought down in Divrei Hayamim in chapter 10, verse 1 over there is the main part of this story. Basically what happened was, I'm just going to give you the history of this so we can appreciate the terribleness that happened here to understand what happened here. It was in the days of King Solomon. David's was the David Amalek was the king. After he dies, his son Shlomo takes the throne. During the days of Shlomo, Shlomo had many, many wives. One of the problems that he had with his wives was that some of his wives were not so loyal to God and they were worshiping idols. How God gets upset at Shlomo because he felt that Shlomo could have done more to stop his wives from this worshiping of idols. So Hashem says to Shlomo that I'm going to take away part of the kingdom. I'm going to to divide it up. Now when we say the kingdom, that means how many tribes were we? We were 12 tribes. 
Think of it as 12 major huge groups. We were a couple millions of people and we were under 12 different colonies living all over the land of Canaan. Two and a half of, two and a half of us were actually on the east side of, of the Jordan, but we were all over there. We were all under David, King David and later under King Solomon. It says, Shem says to Shlomo, I'm going to divide this up. It's going to break up now because of this that I'm upset at you. But God says, in the merit of your father, since your father was such a holy good man, I'm not going to do this during your lifetime. I'm going to wait until after your lifetime. Now, after the lifetime of Shlomo, after he dies, Shlomo had a son. One of his kids' name was name was Rechavam. Rechavam was capable for the throne. Now, Rechavam understood that that was his name, Rechavam. Rechavam understood that people weren't so happy in the way the economy was at the end of King Solomon's life. Why? Because Shlomo had put on the people a very high tax. People had to pay high taxes at that time. So Rechavam was in a dilemma. What should I do? Should I hold the rain tight like my father? Or should I let it down a little bit? Should I lower the taxes? People will like me more, you know? So Rechavam went to the elders of the, Jew, of the people and he said, what is your advice? I'm coming for counsel. What do you think? Should I keep the taxes the way they were or should I make it softer on the people? What's going to be better? And the elders said, Rechavam, lower the taxes that your father had. Make it easier on the people. You'll see this will be the long-term good picture for you. Then he went to the youngsters, to the youth, and he said to them, what do you guys think? Should we lower the tax or higher the taxes? And they said, what? Your father had such harsh taxes on us, but if you want to have good control over the people, you should make it even harsher than your father. Now, important also part of the story is, during this time, there was a very um, charismatic Leader, also powerful person that was quite influential. He was super learned of Torah. He was a very spiritual person too. His name was Yeravam. Yeravam, the son of Nevat. Now Yeravam, one day he's walking out of Jerusalem during this period of time and he was wearing a new garment. Okay? The Rebbe brought down in a sicha actually in 1991 that, that from the Talmud that this garment, a new garment was to show that his learning Torah skills were so pure like new that it, was in, it wasn't even comparable to other people of his time. That's how freshly new his Torah thoughts were. Anyway, so he says, was, Yeravam was coming out with this new uh, garment and Achia Hashiloni was the prophet of that time. And we don't have so many prophecies from him, but Achia said to him, when he saw him in this new garment, he said, hand me over the garment. He, the prophet took the garment and he cut it up into 12 parts. And he said, you could have, he gave him back most of the parts of it. And he said, you're going to see that the kingdom of the Jews is going to be divided up like this. He prophesized this. By the way, Achia Hashiloni is known for several things, just as a side note, but worthwhile to mention. He was 
the teacher of Elijah the prophet. That's how the status of this Achia HaShiloni was. It also says that Achia HaShiloni was the teacher of the Baal Shem Tov. He was the one that revealed himself, so that must be some spiritual manner that he came back into the world at that time of the Baal Shem Tov. We're talking about 300 years ago, right? And he taught the Baal Shem Tov insights of the Torah. So this is the man, Achia Shiloni, who tells Yeravam about what's going to happen, it's going to divide up. Now, back to the part of Rechavam, of Shlomo's son. Rechavam decides, I'm not going to listen to the older people, they're outdated. I'm going to listen to the young people. And he hires the taxes, he makes it much harder on the people. And you know what happened? It resulted in a revolt. People couldn't bear the pressure, they, it caused a revolt. And Rechavam ends up leaving Jerusalem and going to Shechem. And over there, most of the Jews decide that they're going to follow Yeravam, and only one tribe follows Rechavam. So it were left that Rechavam, the son of King Solomon, the son of David, he remains the king only of the tribe of Judah, called Malchus Yehuda. And the rest of the tribes join under Yeravam, and Yeravam becomes the king for the rest of the tribes. Okay? In many texts of the Talmud and elsewhere, it refers to it that to the division of Malchus based David or Malchus Yehuda and Malchus Yisrael, meaning the rest of Israel. So we divided, we were, we were split into two. That's the part that's relevant to here. Now, where did this happen? The division of the kingdom of David, of his the whole monarchy, where did that divide up into two parts? That happens in the city of Shechem. That's what Rashi's referring to. So I'm just filling you into that piece of the story. So back to our story here. Rashi's telling you that you see that Shechem, he arrived in Shechem, but you should know that Shechem is a place doomed for troubles. Look, there were three events. The tribes themselves, they went out and they acted so, so they acted foolishly and sinfully against Joseph they plotted to kill him then you had the story where Dina was abducted and you have the story of the kingdom of David is divided up there in Shechem so the Rebbe says I hear what you're saying Rashi about these three things but if you thought that we had five questions till now on the commentaries, the Rebbe has five questions now. We're going to have a total of ten questions. He has five questions now just on this second half of the Rashi about these three points. Number one. Why is Rashi not mentioning the three stories in a chronological order? What story happened first? Before Joseph was sold, we had the story in last week's Parsha that Dina was abducted. Why did Rashi not mention that first? Very strange. To, to make this question to really stand out, it totally doesn't make sense because if you look in the source, where did Rashi get his commentary? Rashi always gets his commentary from somewhere, almost always, right? He got his source from the Talmud. And over there, 
and the, the Talmud says this is same thing, and the Medrash says the same thing about these three places. But guess what? The Talmud and the Medrash does mention the three in a chronological order. The first is about the abduction of Dina, second about the tribes plotting to sell Joseph, and the third about the division of the kingdom of David. So why did Rashi change the order? What happened here? Number three, Rashi not just changes the order, but he also changes another word in his comment. He changes one word from the Talmud. And by the way, if he changes a word, it must be something significant. You can't just say it's by accident. Nothing is by accident. Every word in Rashi teaches of serious depth there. What the, the Talmud said that over there in Shechem, the tribes sold Joseph. Rashi doesn't use the word sold. Rashi used the word. The word. He said over there, they acted sinfully. Why didn't Rashi say over there, the tribes sold him? Like the source where he got it from. If he's quoting the Talmud, quote it perfectly. Rashi made two differences. First of all, he says the abduction of Dina, he mentions it after the story that the, that the tribes made, did this sinful act. And the, the Talmud says that they sold him in Shechem and Rashi doesn't, Rashi just says that they acted sinfully. And more, what's interesting is, the difference between saying you acted sinfully over saying that you sold Joseph is quite different. If you say that Joseph's brother sold him, that's super harsh. Actually, later on in Parsha Vayichi, over there it says that they did a sin by selling him. Or you, Judah says, I sinned against you that we sold you, right? So it's counted as like, like a serious thing. Rashi kind of lessens the blow. He doesn't use the word that they sold him. He uses the word that they acted sinfully against him. We also see from another story, by the way, the Rebbe brings in a brackets here, another story in the Torah where the word behaved sinfully or acted in this kind of way is, is less harsh because in the story where Reuben mixed in to where who his father should be with that night after Rachel died and Jacob was supposed to come home and be that night with Rachel's concubine. So Reuben figures, maybe this is the time for me to mix in and make sure that my mother, Leah, should get the right respect. All the years when Rachel was alive, my mother is counted as a, as a, you know, a secondary. Let me make sure that Jacob should be with my mother, or at least, with my mother's concubine, not with Rachel's. That would be a blow to my mother. That would be, you know, in an insult. And Jacob, it, it, and this is considered to be a sin that Reuben mixed into his father's behavior. Nevertheless, Rashi points out that even at that time, when he acted like this sinfully, Rashi says, he was still called the firstborn. In other words, we, he's using a word that sinfully behaved, but not such a hard word 
in saying the word sin. We're saying the word that he mixed in so sinfully. But you know what I'm saying? It's sinfully, but not sin. So to to lighten it a bit. So in our case over here, why are we using, why does Rashi change the word and not use the word like the Talmud that the brothers sold him in Shechem and Rashi only uses the word that they acted sinfully. Number four, another question is, why do we bring only three examples about Shechem? Anybody that's familiar with the Tanakh will know of other stories that also happened in Shechem. And he brings an example. And the example is about Avimelech. There was a man named Avimelech. He was the son of Yerubal. And he killed his brothers in the city of Shechem. Awful story. But the Rebbe on the footnote, by the way, he says, go look up in the book of Judges, chapter 9, verse 1, etc. And then he says, go there and read the entire chapter. So to make it easier for everybody, I'll give you a synopsis of that chapter about this man, and then you'll see, you'll understand the question, why doesn't Rashi and the Gemara, the Talmud, bring down that story about this man? What was the story? So in very, to summarize it, the story is that there was a man named Yerubal. His real full name was Gilad. He had a number of wives and he had a total of 70 sons. Okay? Now, he also had one concubine wife, woman. So there was different degrees of the those days before the giving of the Torah. There were different degrees and we once spoke about this in length. If somebody's called a concubine, a shifcha over a full wife. So he had Yeruvam had, sorry, Yerubal, Yerubal had one concubine woman in his life. She was from the city of Shechem. Now, with this woman, he had one son, and his name was Elimelech. Avimelech, sorry, Avimelech. Now, Avimelech, when his father died, he said to himself, you know what? Who's going to take over my father's, you know, stature of his greatness? My 70 brothers, probably, because they're like his main children. I'm like, you know, the, the, you know, the, 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 not the main one. I was born from the concubine wife. So he had this chip on his shoulders and he decided that he's going to rally up the people in Shechem to appoint him to be a king. So he went to the people in Shechem and he did a terrible thing. And listen what happens. He says there to the people in Shechem, he says, listen here, who do you want to rule you? Do you want the 70 brothers of mine to rule you? 70 people will rule you. You're going to go crazy. Why don't you appoint me? After all, my mother's a Shechemite. So why don't you appoint me to be your king and you'll be much better off than having 70 of my half-brothers to rule you. And the people said, Yay, way to go, Avimelech. We're in, we want you. They collected a fund of money. 
they gave him this money, he takes this money and he hires a bunch of bandits and they go to where the 70 brothers live and they slaughter the 70 brothers. Now from the 70 brothers, there was one little baby brother. The baby's brother's name was Yotam. And Yotam runs to the top of a, a high point somewhere, facing over to Shechem. And he says, screams out, he says, I want to make a speech. Remember, all his brothers had just been slaughtered. And Yotam says like this. He brings a parallel. He says, there was once a bunch of trees. And the trees were looking to find a king to rule over them. So the trees called out to the olives. And they said, olive, olives, please be our king. And the olives responded to the trees, we're very sorry, but we're too busy. We have a job to do. We produce oil. Or as the commentaries say, they needed the oil for the temple, for the menorah and so on. I have things to do. We're too busy to be the king. We don't have time to be the king. Taking Being a king takes a lot of time. So the trees then went to the dates and went to the date trees and said, date, dates, please be our king. And the dates said, we're too busy. We can't be the king. Then he went to the grapevines. And the trees said to the grapevines, grapes, grapes, please be our king. We need a king. And the grapes said, we produce wine. You know, this Kiddush, Avdallah, all kinds of Jewish rituals and stuff. We're too busy. We're making grapes for wine and so on. So please don't, uh, we, we don't have time to be the king. So the trees went to the thorn bushes. They figured the thorn bushes, what do they produce? Garnished. So they went to the thorn bushes this is all in the book of Judges. And the thorn bushes said back to the trees, sure, you want us to be your king with pleasure. <laughs> Finally, you know, somebody's asking for us to do something, you know. We'll be happy to be your king. And as a matter of fact, if you ever need shade, you're welcome to come under the thorn bushes. Yotam finishes. What happens to a thorn bush when fire touches it. The thorn bush, faster than anything else, catches onto fire, goes wildfire, and it consumes up everything that's around it and everything that's under it. Said Yotam, you all the people of Shechem have appointed Avimelech to be your king. Just watch out. You have accepted the thorn bush to be your king. And when he's going to be burnt, all of you are going to come down together. Very sharp. And then, of course, he had to run for his life to escape. They were going to get and kill him. And he runs away. And the, the, the chapter goes on to tell us that there was a man whose name was uh, uh, Goal ben, uh, ben, uh, ben Avad. And he uh, popped up and he started asking people, who's this guy, Avimelech? And he starts making all these uh, accusations. Who's this king? Why do you guys follow him? He's a nobody. And he starts making problems. Eventually, they come up with a plan and they call Avimelech to come out of the city. They say there's rebellious people there. And El- El- Avimelech comes out to see what's happening and he starts a whole fight. Then inside the city, he hears that there's a lot of people there in Shechem. And all of a sudden, he hears that there's a thousand people that are shouted up in a, in a tower. And Avimelech says, that's it. I'm going to go after these people and I'm going to burn down this tower and all the thousand people will die and everybody will understand my great power. As he comes 
charging to the tower, he a, a, a woman on top of the tower sees Avimelech coming to the tower, and she has this uh, millstone that's there next to her. She takes the millstone and she shoves it over, and it lands on Avimelech's head. And as he's crushed there from this millstone, he he feels that that's it. He's dying now. He screams to the person next to one of his servants. He says, take out your sword and stab me to death. This way, it will never be said that I died from a woman. I don't want to go down that a woman is a weaker kind of person and a woman's the one that killed me. That'll be the biggest embarrassment for him. And his servant was only happy enough to take the sword and stabs him and he dies and, and, he, and he's finished there. So the point is that's relevant to us because he says the footnote here that we should go there to read the whole chapter. So I'm giving you most of this chapter pretty much on one foot. But the point here is that the Rebbe's question is, why, if you're telling me tragedies that happen in the city of Shechem, you should have said a fourth one. You should have mentioned that there's a story of Avimelech who killed all his brothers. Like, you know, if you're telling me all the, char- all the tragedies of Shechem. And then he puts in a bracket there. He says, you can't say that the reason why we don't mention the story of Avimelech maybe is because it's not a story that was relevant to all of, all of Israel, to all the Jews. It was only one person, one place. It wasn't relevant to the entire nation. He says, why can't you say that? Because you did mention the abduction of Dina. Dina is also an individual person. So once you're already mentioning individual stories that happened to a few people or one person, you might as well say that story about Vimelech too. So something here is, is unique that we're only mentioning the three events when we want to stress the idea of the difficulties of the city of Shechem. So that's question four. Now, question five, and this is also very fascinating. The Rebbe says that you should know that Shechem, up until here, if you go to sleep now, you're going to think that Shechem is only doomed for real troubles. The Rebbe says, actually, Shechem also had good things that happened in the city of Shechem. Rashi already said in Parsha of Lech Lecha, in the beginning of the Torah, the third parsha, it said there that God told Abraham to go into the land of Israel. Lech lecha leave your land, your birthplace, and so on. Right? And it says Abraham went and he went until the city of Shechem. He was in Shechem that he had this communication with God because he arrived to his destination. God said, go to, the, go to the place I'm going to show you, which is basically the land of Israel. So he goes to the land where it gets to the middle. Shechem, as I showed you on the map, right? Shechem is more or less in the middle. When you're coming, you know, it's between Jordan and the, and the Mediterranean. You know, it's somewhere not bad in the middle. So Abraham comes there. And that's the place where the Jews, Rashi says there, accepted upon themselves that one day when we're going to have all the laws of the Torah, we're actually going to commit ourselves to follow it. We gave like our vow. And interesting is that even in the books of the prophets, 
Not outside the five books of Moses. We also have something good that happened in Shechem. In the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua it says, in chapter 24.1, over there it says, that when Joshua was in the city of Shechem, he made a covenant with all the Jewish people. And he got everybody to commit that they're going to follow the ways of the Torah, even though now we're in the land of Israel, things are different, a lot of paganism next to us. Everybody made that commitment of this covenant that they're going to do mitzvahs. So one second, we also had great things that happened. Also the promise to Abraham that he's going to have a child was also promised to him while he was there in Shechem. The promise of that he's going to get take to this the land that you're in and that's all around you, that's going to be the land to, given to your descendants, that was in Shechem. So there was a lot of good things. The Rebbe points out in the footnote a fascinating thing. He says, the first time it says that God appeared to Abraham, that Abraham saw God, Vayar Hashem El Avram was in the city of Shechem. So there were a lot of good things that happened in Shechem. So now what's going on over here? Why does Rashi have the need to tell you, and as we always said, Rashi always points out only the, the simple understanding of the verse. Why does Rashi have to tell you that, why does it tell you the city of Shechem, oh, this is a place that lots of troubles happen. Totally doesn't make sense. So let's recap very short the five questions. Rashi said that three things happened their tragedies that happened. Number one, the brothers sinfully planned their plan against him. That sin with the brothers against Joseph happens in Shechem. Number two, the abduction of Dina. Number three, the kingdom of David is divided up. So we asked five questions. Why does Rashi not go chronological? Start off saying the abduction of Dina, then the story with the brothers tried to kill him, and then the story of the division of King David. Number two, the source where Rashi gets it from, from the Talmud and the Medrash, actually says it in the right chronological order. So why doesn't he follow the, where, the, where he gets it from? Number three, where it says that it happened in the, 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 he, that what happened in Shechem? The Talmud says that the brothers sold him in Shechem and Rashi changes the word. He says that they sinfully acted against, they acted sinfully against him. Rashi, why doesn't he use the same word of the Talmud that they sold him there? Number four, why, if you're already saying all the tragedies, why don't you say the tragedy of the story of Avimelech when he kills all his brothers? And number five, there was also a lot of good things that happened. Why are they not mentioned in Shechem? If you're telling me that these are the things that happened in Shechem, tell me all the things, the bad, the good, whatever we know. Those are his questions. So the Rebbe begins to tell you that if you want to learn the Torah properly, we got to look at the whole picture. You can't just look at one word. You have to see study the whole thing. He says Rashi actually has an opinion based on scripture that we're going to soon mention of where the story happened that the brothers sold him. The Talmud says he was sold in Shechem. But Rashi says that they acted sinfully, purposely. Rashi's careful on his words. Why? Because we already see somewhere else that Rashi says that they were not sold in Shechem. Rashi says they were sold in the place called Daisan, Dasona, Dotona. Where, do where does Rashi get that from? Because it says a couple verses later 
remember what happened here. The man who Joseph met in the field said that the brothers left here and they went to Dasona. Says Rashi, two commentaries, that the word Dasona is like the word Das. Das means religion or law. So when the, when the man, the angel, said to Joseph that they went to Dasona, he was trying to tell him that the brothers, they were looking for legal grounds to kill you. That's why they went to Dasona. Because in Dasona is the way, is the place where they're going to look for legal grounds. It wasn't just a story the way you think, ah, oh, these brothers got mad at their brother. They felt that they have legal grounds that they could actually kill their brother. Of course, there was jealousy and all kinds of stuff involved that makes a person, you know, study the laws like that, you know? So Rashi says, number one, when it says they went to the Sona, it means that they went to study the dust. They went to study the religio- religiosity part of it to see what's the law that they could kill you. Then Rashi says, other interpretations means that the Sona was actually a place called the Sona. And Rashi says that you should know a rule that whenever you read text of a verse, don't take it out of its simple meaning. In other words, the fact that it says the place, the sona, it actually means the place as well. So in other words, there's two pieces to this puzzle that when you say that they went to Dasona, yes, they went to a real place, Dasona, but also that was the place where they were able to try to figure out, that's where they tried to figure out, to find legal grounds for their rights to be able to kill Joseph. Now, we understand, uh, based on this interpretation of Rashi, it's, we can easily understand that Rashi is of the opinion that where did they actually sell him? In Dosan. In Dosan. Not in Shechem. Shechem was only the place where the brothers were there. This man in the field heard that they went to Dosan. So they actually, where did they do the actual sale? It was in Dosan. Now, if you look into the Talmud, if you look into the source, where the Talmud says this piece, that they sold him in Shechem, over there, Rashi has a commentary on the Talmud. And Rashi explains why. It's fascinating. This. Rashi explains why the Talmud says that they sold him in Shechem if they were never really sold in Shechem. So he says that Dosan was like a little town outside the big city. So when the Talmud says that they sold him in Shechem, it's because you don't, you don't have to say that they sold him in the little town. You say the main name of the city. And I think of this a little bit about in Toronto. A lot of people live in Thornhill. You know, but when they travel somewhere, people say, where are you from? They don't say Thornhill. Vaughan, Richmond Hill. They say Toronto. So most commonly, people use the name Toronto, even though you're from, you know, areas that you wouldn't even write the name Toronto on the, on the envelope. Right, So that's what Rashi says, that in the Gemara, in the Talmud, when it says that they sold him in Shechem, it didn't mean exactly Shechem itself. It's the, the town that's a little tiny town, Dosan, that's right next door. Okay, but the simple meaning is, according to Rashi, is that it was sold in Dosan. So now you understand why 
Rashi didn't want to use the word that he was sold in Dosa like the Talmud. Because Rashi says that he believes that it makes sense from the narrative of the story that they went to Dosan to prepare the plotting, to, to, you know, the final plot to kill you. So you want to know where they are, you better go there. That means that you can't say that Shechem is just a place that's doomed only for bad because the things that happen here in the city, because the verse itself tells you that they went from here to Dosan. So Rashi's telling you, you should know that Shechem is a place that's doomed for difficulties here. If so, why did Rashi say Kilkulu? Why did he use the word not sale? Because he wanted to show you that it was one step before the actual sale. That's why he didn't use the word sale. Now what's left to understand at this point is, is since the sale of Joseph happened in Dosan, so what does it mean? What is, what's Rashi even saying that in Shechem, the brothers acted sinfully? What, what do you mean by that? What do you want to tell me by that? What did they really do there? What was so bad about in Shechem if they didn't actually do the sale there? So for this, we go now to explain what exactly did the brothers do. And this becomes fascinating. The Rebbe has like a revolutionary understanding that he helps us to open our eyes to how to really understand these words. When it says that the brothers acted sinfully, what that means is that it was the beginning of their starting, their planning to ultimately kill him, or instead of killing him, they're going to end up selling him. So the planning started in the city of Shechem. Because Rashi wants to emphasize that the beginning process of the brother's behavior here happens, and that becomes the foundation of what happens in Shechem, Rashi doesn't want to point out everything bad that happens in Shechem or any history of city of Shechem. It wants to say that for Joseph, for him specifically, there were troubles that happened to him in Shechem. He himself had these pictures, not for everybody. We quoted before other good things that happened in Shechem. And that's why Rashi changes from the chronological order and before even mentioning the tragedy of the abduction of Dina, he quotes the part that the brothers tried to do it because what they, they started their planning. Because the planning is the emphasis that this all happens to Joseph and it's the event of Joseph coming that reveals to us certain tragedies that happen connected to Joseph. And that's the emphasis here. This is a new way of understanding. The normal way of understanding Till now is that something's about Shechem. Like, you know, they say something's in the water, you know? Like we had when the spies spoke about the land of Israel. They said, oh, it's a place that grows this. A place, This place grows this. Like it's in the nature of the place. It almost sounded like it's in the nature of Shechem to have all these kind of sinful behaviors. He says, no, it's not the nature of the place. It's associations with Yosef that we see trouble things that happen. And that's why he starts off saying it was the acting of sinful behavior of the brothers that you see now these different troubles. Once you say that, then you can say the other two. Now we understand why he says the second and the third is the abduction of Dina and then the dividing of the kingdom of David. Now, 
the, to strengthen the, the proof of Rashi, that this is the main emphasis here, that it was the brothers plotting and preparing the plan for this, that's why Rashi quoted the word, and he came to Shechem. Because by saying that, and he came to Shechem, now you're telling me that he, he came. There was a special thing about Yosef coming. Yosef's arrival in Shechem made a few things happen. In other words, it was the first thing is that all of a sudden we now know that the brothers did something. So in other words, it's the brothers to be blamed the most, not even Yosef. Yosef comes and all of a sudden the brothers are starting to plan. And he sees a person there and it, that leads us to this whole thing. Now what's not understood is that Yosef, the brothers of Yosef already traveled to Dosen. And even if you want to tell me that it's part of the story and that's why you're telling me this. That Yosef, you, should, you went there and you found this man in the field. You got lost, you found the man in the field and now you're going to go. And the man tells you they're in Dosan. Why do you have to tell me the place? And he came to Shechem. So that's why Rashi is telling you that it's a place that's befitting for sinful acts. This is the place where the brothers acted sinfully. It's not a side note to the story. This is the main part of the story. The beginning of the plotting from the brothers started here in Shechem. Now, with this now, we could understand that there's a major connection between the second point of tragedy that Rashi brings down and the third tragedy that the whole King David's monarchy falls from its full glory power into two groups. When you think about it, what's, the, what's that connection to Joseph? What have those stories got to do with Joseph? The part of the story you're telling me, Joseph comes into Shechem and the brothers planning, okay, I understand the connection, they're planning to kill him. But what have the other two tragedies in Shechem got to do with Yosef particularly? What in the world does his sister that was abducted got to do with him? How does he get involved with this terrible story? And the fact that years, years later, hundreds of years later, the kingdom of David falls apart. You're blaming that also something with Joseph? So the Rebbe says, if you keep your glasses on to the whole picture, you're gonna pay, you can appreciate this connection. Rashi, in the beginning of today's Parsha, tells us something. It could, it could lift you off your chair when you read this. The beginning of today's Parsha said, that and I'll read it to you a bit. It started off saying Jacob do, dwelled in this in the land where his fathers lived, where Isaac lived, and Jacob lived in the land of Canaan. And then the verse starts saying, "These are the offsprings of Yaakov, Jacob, Yosef, the seventeen-year-old boy, who was shepherding with his brothers, and this was a lad that was hanging out." With the children of Bilha and Zilpah, the other wives of his father. In other words, the, you know, this, the secondary wives, right? And Yosef, the verse says, and Yosef came to speak bad about his brothers to his father. 
Man, that's pretty heavy. So Yosef, right, little nice Yosef, 17 years old, is coming home and he's telling his father bad reports about his brother. Now you can start to see where this goes. Says Rashi, what did he tell his father? What were the bad things that he told his father? He said three things about his brothers. Now, you have to remember what happens over here. Let's just put together the picture. Jacob has four wives. His main wives are Leah and Rachel. Leah has an assistant wife named Zilpah. Leah has six kids with Jacob. Zilpah has two kids with Jacob. Rachel is not bearing any children. She gives her assistant wife to Jacob to have children, just like Abraham, Sarah gave Hagar, right? So Rachel does the same thing. Rachel gives Bilhah, her assistant wife, to Jacob as another wife. He has another two kids with Bilhah. So Jacob has six with Leah, his real wife, full wife, two with Zilpah and two with Bilhah, ten kids. And then again, he has two kids with Rachel. Now, when kid number one of Rachel comes around, Yosef, Yosef sees in the house that the six brothers, you all, till now you probably all thought that they all got along, they're all good, they're very nice to each other. Huh? But guess what? When it says here that Yosef hung out with the, his brothers from Bilah and Zilpah, it's telling you something. What it's telling you is that all his brothers from Leah used to make fun of their brothers that were born with the secondary wives. So Yosef felt terrible for those boys. Two brothers from Bila, two from Zilpah. He felt terrible for them. Yosef would try to hang out with those kids. He didn't want them to have to go to therapy one day. So he hangs out with them and he talks to them and he makes them feel good. And he tries to tell them you're part of the family. You're part of the tribes. Jacob's our father. Don't worry about it that your mother is Bila, Zilpah, whatever. That's all good. So Yosef's trying to do that. Now the brothers, it's not comfortable in the house. So now when Yosef goes back home and when he sees his father he sits down with his father for tea probably and he tells him three things about his brothers number one he says daddy he says my brothers from Leah you should just know daddy these brothers they're not so good boys as you think they eat food from a living animal the Aver Min Hachai yeah and Lots of commentary about this, of where the basis to this thing was, based on certain ritual rules that were that were before the giving of the Torah, whether the tribes had to follow them or not. Joseph had a more stricter view on it, so he says they're eating from pieces of animal from an animal that's still alive. Then he says, he says, Daddy, our brothers from Leah, they embarrass my other brothers, and they call them servants, slaves, because they said that Bilhah and Zilpah were really servants or slaves somewhere. So he says, my brothers, your sons, they, they call the children of the concubine wives of yours, they call them slaves. 
And then his final punch, he says that my brothers, they are suspected of intermarried, of, of illicit, inappropriate relationships. Now, says Rashi that you should know that all three things that the brothers, that he, that he told his father bad things about his brothers, Yosef gets punished for all these three things. When he says that his brothers ate from a, from a pieces of an animal while the animal was still alive, he gets punished because when the brothers came to the father to say that, you know, Joseph was, is, must be dead, look at this garment that was dipped in the blood. They slaughtered a goat in order to use the blood, which is the closest to human blood, to put on the, this coat to show the father that he looks like he was eaten up by an animal. So the, when he accuses them of eating from an animal that's still alive, he gets punished with the theme of the slaughtering of an animal was used part of his story. When he says he spoke negative and say the, said that the brothers called the children of the concubines. They called them slaves. Guess what? He got punished and he became a slave. He was sold as himself as a slave. And when he said that they are accused of illicit, promiscuous relationships, he gets punished. Then he gets accused from the wife of Potiphar for this kind of style behavior. So you see all three things that he tried to say on the brothers to the father, which stirred up more of the anger. He gets punished on all these three things. Now, since the punishment of Yosef was connected with these three things, the Aver Menachai and the embarrassment of calling the brothers slaves, servants, slaves, and for accusing them for illicit behavior, we have to say that Shechem was the place where all this began. And that's why Yosef has these three things that happened in Shechem corresponding to these three things where he says this about his brothers to his father. When it says that, when it, and he gets punished basically for these three things. When he says that the brothers, that the brothers started their plotting against him to, to kill him and eventually to sell him, it's in comparison to the part that he was that he said they weren't careful in their eating foods and they were eating pieces of animals and they slaughtered it. That's where this happened. This whole thing that the brothers plotting, planning. When he said the part that they're that they are accused for illicit behavior, now we understand why we blame also Yosef a little bit in the story that his sister was abducted. Bringing that language into the house, bringing this subject in to accuse the brothers of illicit behavior is what also in some ways happens also in the place of Shechem in corresponding to this idea that Yosef accuses them and that we blame in some way the story also of the abduction of Dina also under his story because he said those negative things about his brother. And the part that the kingdom 
of David who's divided into parts, in other words, the embarrassment of the kingdom of the Jewish people, this unfortunate reality that happened, who did most of the tribes join? They joined Yeravam ben Avot. They left the kingdom, the, the um, uh, Rechavam, the son of Shlomo, the son of David, the son of Yishai. They left that for Yeravam. Which tribe was Yeravam from? From the tribe of Ephraim. And Ephraim is the son of Joseph. So you see how it goes back again to Joseph. So when it says that it was a preparation to tragedies that happened, it was because of the embarrassment that he said about his brothers, that they said that the the brothers of the concubines are like slaves. This leads to kind of a corresponding to Yosef. So with this, we conclude this talk. And we answered all the questions. And now we have a very good understanding about the city of Shechem. Only regarding Yosef is the city of Shechem a place which had these three troubles. But ultimately, by the way, when before Yaakov dies, he says to Yosef, the city of Shechem I'm giving to you. I bought an area in Shechem, Yaakov says. I'm giving it to you. And you, Yosef, end up getting buried, he'll get buried in the city of Shechem. So you see that Yosef, not just was it a place where he had difficulties, but it became his place. So Shechem becomes associated with Yosef. And with this, we conclude this piece of the talk, and this is brought down here in the talk of the Fabrengen that the Rebbe said on this parsha in the year of 1976.